Good morning. Welcome to Family Chapel. Thank you for joining us this morning. Let's all stand as we open our time together with some worship. As many of you know, this week is Holy Week. I've been encouraged already as it's begun. And Isaiah chapter 53 says, He was pierced for our transgressions, and He was crushed for our iniquities. And again, in uh, Acts, it says, God raised him from the dead, and it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And that's what we celebrate this week. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Did you believe that this morning, that uh, he's alive? And uh, he is God. Praise the Lord. Well, I got excited just singing that song. It's a prelude to Easter, isn't it? And, uh, in the passage of Scripture this morning that we would like to spend a little time, you know, uh, time here this morning, is taken from one of the pastoral letters, First uh, Timothy chapter 6, this morning. And uh, let me read uh, this with us this morning. Uh, but you, O man of God, and Paul, of course, is addressing Timothy, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which he will manifest in his own time, he who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Doxology here from Paul. He gets excited when he talks about God. And so should we. Uh, I titled the, the message this morning, The Good Confession. Twice in, the, in this passage we read, we come across this idea of a good confession. First Timothy makes that good confession. We see that in, in verse 12. And then Jesus himself, before Pilate, makes a good confession. I hope at the end of our time together that we all can have, would have made a good confession or have reaffirmed our good confession that we have made in the Lord uh, Jesus Christ this morning. This is Holy Week, of course, and, and Christ's uh, death and uh, all that he's done, the passion uh, that in full obedience and submission to the Father is so that we could make a good confession. His confession is on our behalf. Uh, he suffered, died, and did all that for us so that we too can have the opportunity, and we did, 
to make a good confession before God. Of course, uh, in this chapter, we will go back uh, a few verses. Uh, Paul is writing Timothy to encourage him to share the good news and, and, and to, to deal with those who are not sharing good news, those who are uh, polluting the gospel or uh, uh, teaching false uh, teachings. And so if you go back to verse 3 and, and come down to where we begin our text, you will, this is the context, the foundation for why Paul is saying to Timothy, flee those things. The three things that we will deal with this morning First of all, he's asking Timothy to flee, and then to follow, and thirdly, to fight. We will work through that. But before we get to this idea of fleeing, Paul sets the stage for Timothy. Look at these verses with me. I, I want to read them, starting at verse 3. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. He's proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reveling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. It's, it's like a weight that sinks their ship. Paul is saying here, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows, many griefs, uh, to, to stray away from the truth, to, to, to lead a life uh, that uh, does not have a good confession, so to speak that does not honor the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul warns Timothy, he says, flee those things. In verse 11. The, the, the things, uh, those, what these false teachers are doing. Let, let's just look at some of those. They reject the truth. They're, they're not sound. They're not healthy in their thinking about God. In fact, the word that is used uh, to, for soundness here is the word we get our English word hygiene from. It's a, a sickness, it's a malaise when they, they, they draw away from this truth. And it is based on pride in their lives, verses 4 and 5. And he gives some of the characteristics of this pride. They're conceited in their ignorance. They're, they're, they're spiritually sick. They, they have personal conflicts, which produces envy and, and strife, which is the result of envy. Railings or blasphemies is actually the word that is used here to describe these railings. Uh, uh, evil surmising, that is malicious and the suspicion, suspicions. Perverse disputings and, and irritation caused by a full, angry, constant rubbing of friction. And as if, if something is rubbing on your skin all the time, 
sooner or later it will cause an irritation. It will break your skin. This is the word Paul uses to, to describe their disputings of these teachers. Their minds are perverted. They're materialistic. And Paul is saying to Timothy, don't go there. Flee those things. He gives us, the, the, in verses 6 to 8, the cause of this pride. Ignorance of the, of the nature of contentment. They think that if, if you're rich, then you're content. If you have material things, you're content. In fact, out of this we may draw three principles. Success is spiritual and inward, not material and outward. Verse 6. Superiority of the spiritual and eternal over the material and the temporal. Verse 7. And then in verse 8, possessions of the basic necessities of life should foster contentment. Verse 8. These perverted minds, they desire to be rich. Verse 9. The, the love of money. Verse 10. And so Paul wants Timothy to flee in the, neg in the negative. Verse 11. First part of verse 11. But you, O oh man of God, flee these things. And then he, in verse 11b, in the positive, he says, follow. We are to flee, and we are to follow. The word he uses there is to pursue righteousness, or follow righteousness. Godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Now, there are those who flee but do not follow. And there are those who follow but do not flee. And, and there's always that conflict. If we're going to embrace a good confession and enjoy the benefits of the cross and what Christ has done for us, we must do those two things. We must flee, but we must follow him. We must follow the benefits of Calvary, which he it delineates here for us righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, gentleness. Righteousness, of course, is God's essential nature. It is who he is. Then there is another type of righteousness. Uh, it is what Christ has done for us. We call it imputed righteousness. That when we confess our sins to him, God justifies us based on the righteousness of Christ. And then there's a third type of righteousness. We call it imparted righteousness. This is what Paul is. This is the one Paul. The practical living out of our Christian life. The serving day with godliness and, and, and meekness and, and self-control. This is living out the benefits and the fruit of the cross of righteousness. This is the sanctified experience. It is the righteousness of God that is now imparted to those who embrace Jesus Christ, who embrace the cross and makes a good confession of what God has done for them in Christ Jesus. And so we must live out this righteousness. It, it should come natural, uh, moving from, from saving grace to sanctifying grace, to experience the righteousness of God in practical daily living. If our Christianity is void of that which Christ has purchased for us, we're missing the boat. 
Christianity is not an intellectual concept of or, 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 or constructs of, of, of philosophies and, and things that you just intellectually process. It's a practical living out of truth. Not like the false teachers who, who saw, uh, who had a different way of living. Who were peddling the gospel, thinking it was a, a source of their richness. Dealing with the physical and material. And they had abandoned the life of godliness and holiness and righteousness and love and faith and self-control. Meekness. So Paul says to Timothy, flee those things that these guys are doing, but follow this. Follow it. And then, thirdly, in verse 12, first part of verse 12, he asks Timothy, he challenges Timothy, he urges him to fight, to fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Wow. He's taking Timothy back to the time when, when he found the grace of God. When he was saved in, in her language. When, when, when God poured himself in his heart. When he confessed openly, publicly, the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he says, fight for that. Preserve that. Don't be distracted by anything. Make this the goal of your life, Timothy. Fight that good fight of faith. Don't get cold. And don't let it, don't, 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 don't let it uh, kind of fall through, Timothy. Fight for it. Take hold of this eternal life you have. In other words, realize it and, and let it be a living thing for you. Daily in your life, Timothy. He wants Timothy. He tells him. You must respond to this charge. Your fight, Timothy, is to respond to the charge that I'm about to give to you. We see that in verses 13, 14, 15. I urge you, in the sight of God, this, this fighting that Timothy is to do is to respond to the charge that Paul is giving to him. I urge you, or I charge you, In the sight of God, he, he invoked the highest authority there is. There is no other authority higher than God. In the sight of God, who gives life to all things, all life, biological, vegetation life, human life. But Paul has in mind spiritual, eternal life. God who gives that to us. 
And then he not only invokes the highest authority, Almighty God, who gives life to all, who is the creator of all. And, and I wouldn't blame you if you pass me looking at what you see out there this morning, the beauty of, of God's handiwork, the same God we're talking about, who painted this picture this morning for us. He invokes that name, and I charge you in a solemn way, Timothy, with the highest authority there is, the God who gives life. And then he goes, and his son, and his son Jesus Christ, Verse 13 again. Who witnessed the good confession, Timothy, before Pilate. And what was that good confession? You'll have to go to John's Gospel, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. This holy week, 2,000 years ago this week, Jesus made that good confession before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate came before him and said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus looked at him and said, did, did you say this on your own or did somebody put that in your mouth? And he says, I am the king. My kingdom is not of this world. Uh, Pilate tried to say, you know, I have the power to take your life and to give it uh, and to release you. And Jesus looked at him and says, you have no idea what you're talking about. I gave my life freely. No one takes it. I laid down in obedience to the Father. That's the good confession. In harmony with the will of God, he obeyed completely. Before Pilate, hauled back to Herod and then hauled back to, to Pilate and Jesus stood his ground. And Paul says, I invoke in a solemn way the God who gives life to all and Jesus Christ, who made a good confession before Pilate, that you, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith and hold on to your good confession and, and challenge the false teachers and live out the gospel that you have, you have uh, received in the, in the presence of many witnesses. So... What is this charge? And, and, and look at this again. Look at this again. That you keep, verse 14, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Timothy, your confession is not seasonal. It's not for just a t period of time, Timothy. It is a lifelong journey. Uh, live it, obey that command of walking with God, of living out your confession of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who's given his life for you. And do it, Timothy, until Christ returns. It indicates to us the imminent return uh, that they had of Jesus Christ in their minds during that time. The apostles truly believed that Jesus would return in their lifetime. And so they ask, he's asking Timothy, Timothy, just live out until Jesus comes. And his, his appearing would be around the corner, Timothy. Well, in God's mathematics, it is still around the corner. A thousand years with the Lord is like a day. 
young fellow heard that, he said, wow, a thousand years with the Lord is like a day? Man, and the, the friend he was talking to, yeah, it's like a million dollars to the Lord is like a dime. And the young fellow scratches his head and said, wow. So he said, Lord, would you give me a dime? And the Lord looked back and says, tomorrow. But Timothy, you are to walk in this confession, this good confession. Teach the truth. Flee from this, uh, the, the, this debasing things of life. Don't, don't wrangle over semantics and, and words that do not bring life, Timothy. Don't dispute away the, the truth that you have, Timothy, but living out, live it out. And walk with God. Who, this God... Uh, look at what he said of God. Verse 15. Which he will manifest in his own time. That is the coming of Christ. He who is the blessed. Amen. The word blessed. The Greek word mariakoi. It means happy. Or confession ought to lead to happiness. Amen. Happiness is not found in the material things, in riches, which he alludes already in this chapter. Contentment is not in temporal and material things, but in the eternal, in the spiritual things. And so he tells Timothy, God is blessed and the only potentate. That's a big word. He's the head honcho. He's the King of kings, the sovereign Lord, almighty God. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light. Friends, this morning God is the king, the potentate. God is King of kings, Lord of lords, immortal, dwells in the light. God is invisible and he deserves honor and glory and power. That's what's said about him here. This God, the brightness, the fullness, the otherness of God. Paul is so taken up with him. He goes into a doxology there in verse 16. To whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Amen. Timothy, pursue this. Fight for this. Don't let anything come between you and this good confession. May I say to us this morning, what is true for Timothy is true for us as well. This is not for the elite. This is not for certain super-duper Christians. This is for us. This is for us this morning. Christ made his good confession before Pilate a little, a little over 2,000 years ago this week. He made it possible that we too can have a good confession. I want you to listen to Paul as he describes the same thing in a different letter that he writes to the Philippian church. 
about Christ and the sacrifice that he made so that we can live in victory. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, this great Christological passage, verse 5, down through, and I, I want to read right down through verse 13. Let this mind, this attitude that is, in, be in you, which, is, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, on the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, keep that good confession rolling. Keep it going. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's what Paul is wanting us. That's what he wanted for Timothy. That's what he wants for us. Let me wrap up here this morning. Paul said it in another letter, in a different way. He wrote to the Corinthians, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. And then in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he wrote, He who, he was made sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. The best way I can illustrate this is in the formation of a pearl. We're told that a pearl is made when a particle of sand gets into an oyster. And there is no way for it to excrete it out of its body. It simply crystallizes itself around this particle of sand. And a pearl is formed. Christ embraced our sin and crystallized himself around it. It was an intrusion in his world. And he built himself around it on the cross. He who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That good confession of our faith. To me, that's what it means to look at Holy Week and to see what's happening as we come and celebrate Easter this week. God in Christ, 
reconciling the world unto himself. He who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might become God's pearl, God's treasure. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for helping us to know you. There is so much about you that we do not know. You are the King, the Lord, the Almighty, the unapproachable God, and yet you've made yourself near for us in your Son, Jesus. You've given us the Holy Spirit to bring a new reality in our lives of righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Oh God, we thank you this morning as we worship you here this morning, fill our hearts with your presence today. Give us a wonderful day as we reflect and contemplate of what it means your final week here on the earth 2,000 plus years ago. Thank you for loving us the way you do. We give you all the praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.